we're going to use it just in just a little bit. After sharing what I shared last week, I found myself going back to it and saying, I, I've got to finish some stuff here. Because though I brought in the beginning of the chapter, I never brought in the bottom of the chapter. And to share with you, again, that center part of what we talked about in Isaiah. I think it's important to, uh, to, to know or to ask the question that's coming up on the screen. It's, it's coming. Wendy, what is he thinking of you? Sometimes you just can't pass up these little entryways. But I think it's important to recognize, you know, I can remember as a kid so many times thinking, God's going to get me. God's angry with me. God's going to seek revenge on my life. I've messed up. You know what I mean? We serve an angry God. That is such a religious concept. And, and in all honesty, what he has to share with us here is hugely important. So what I'd like to do is, again, begin in the center. I want to hit some of the bullet points from last week as we break into the second part of this this morning. And uh, um, I was hoping, believe it or not, I was hoping to get a little extra time here, but I'm um, sort of starting on, on our normal time. But I want to get through this this morning. So are you ready for what he has for you? I mean, take a look, if you will, at Isaiah 55. It says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return to the Lord. Everybody say the word return. Yeah, that's another way. That Well, we'll get there. And he will have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Huge words here. But the problem is, you know, it, it, it always amazes me, and I've said, I said it last week, I'll say it again, how people will take words or take verses or scripture out and they'll, they'll form a theology, a doctrine on them, they'll teach on them, but they're, they're, they're so out of context in relation to what comes before those verses and what comes after. So, you know, a lot of times, I'm, I've, I've heard messages preached on it thousands of times that... His thoughts are not your thoughts, and his ways are not your ways. So, so we're walking as if we can never know God. We can never understand what it is that he's trying to do, or we just, you know, we're so, what this does, that theology, is that we've used these verses to give us a better sense of separation from God. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. Which, bottom line, I'm going to go through these bullet points kind of quick, it means you'll never understand God. Well, his ways are higher than our ways, his thoughts are higher. So we'll never understand him. That's not what these words are, are expressing. 
That's not what these words are saying. And, and it, you just got to go before and go after. And I want to take a little bit of time this morning because what this is doing is it's speaking of the glorious, limitless, covenant love, the grace and goodness of God, the unspeakable compassion of God, where? Toward us. I don't know about you, but I'm old enough to have grown up thinking that God was just nothing but a big, angry eyeball in the sky. And that there would be lightning bolts that would shoot out and get me all the time. An angry God. No. What this talks about and what we need to understand is the unspeakable compassion of God toward us. Now, again, let me just remind you here, and we'll just go up in, in your notes there. Take a look at the first verses here. It says, ho, everybody say that with me. Ho, 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 ho. Everyone who thirsts. So this is not a selected, this is, this is not a selected nationality or race or anybody. It is anybody, everybody who thirsts. Come to the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me. And eat what is good and delight yourself in abundance. Eat what is good. I love people who say, you know, oh, man, I'm so stuffed. I can't eat another potato chip. Yet we, we endlessly try to satisfy ourselves. That's what it's talking about. And, and the weird thing is, he's saying, buy it. It's free. How do you buy something that's free? By simply putting your hand on it, my friend, when you buy something, understand, it is a declaration of ownership. A declaration of ownership. Say that with me. A declaration of ownership. It's mine. It's mine. I'm just trying to share you with share something here with you. When you talk about the reality of ownership. So what I'm saying to us this morning is that which is yours, go and put your hand on it. Buy it. It's free. Grab it. It's yours. Hello. Ho! Everyone who thirsts. I love it the way, and we shared this last week, the way the Message Bible puts this. Take a look at it. Hey there. Hey there. All who are thirsty. That, that's what it's like. Somebody standing in the middle of, of the frozen food section of Giant Eagle right by the Stouffer's French bread pizza, and they're taking all the pizza off and just throwing it to you. Hey there. Here you go. Come to the water. Come to the frozen pizza section. Are you penniless? Come anyway. Buy. 
buy and eat. Come, buy your drinks, buy wine and milk, buy without money. Everything's free. Mm. Why do you spend your money on junk food? Your hard-earned cash on cotton candy? Listen to me. Listen well. Eat only the best. Fill yourself with only the finest. Can't afford that. Afford that. It's free. Put your hand on it. It's yours. The reality of this is, is, is huge. He, he gets into Isaiah 55 there, and he begins to talk about some things concerning the wicked and the unrighteous. Now, I want to remind you that the unrighteous means, to be unrighteous means you don't have no known relationship with God. That's, that's an unrighteous person, is, is that you don't have no known relationship with God. And then, then we have the term wicked. And we gave you what that word literally is. It's wicker, or in other words, wick, wicker. It's the, the people, you know, like a wicker chair kind of thing. It's all woven. It, it's people who are twisted, groping in the dark. He says, they don't know me. They're just twisted and they're groping in the dark. They have no known relationship with God. In fact, take a look at the verse of scripture here. It goes, let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thought. In other words, well, get there. And let, the, let him return to the Lord. Again, say that word with me. Return to the Lord, and he will have compassion on him and to our God, for he will, what? Abundantly pardon. See, these are huge words here that are being used, and we... We, we took you through the word as far as the return, the return. The word turn itself is what it is, the word turn. And the word turn there is, a, is in the Greek would be repentance in the New Testament. It would be metanoia. That's the name for it, metanoia in the New Testament, the word that we use for repentance. And let me tell you something, word we, when we say repentance, we have all sorts of interesting ideas. I'll teach on that another time. But for right now, my, my big thing is getting us to understand that this word repentance is, is in metanoia in the Hebrew, and we gave it to you last week, is teshuva. Teshuva. Teshuva means to turn. Metanoia means to turn. It describes action. It means something. It, it means you do something is what I'm saying. In other words, you're doing something is turning towards God. So, so when you talk about teshuva, what we would interpret as repentance, it means to turn. It's action. And it's turning towards God. That, that, that's the key point. Please, understand when we come to this, what met, what, 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 what teshuva actually is saying. It's saying we turn to see, to know, to be embraced, to be restored. Because it is a word of restoration. Teshuva. Say that with me. Teshuva. Um, not Toshiva. Teshuva. Teshuva. I turn to God to be received. 
teshuva. And, and friend, let, let, me, let me just say this to you flat out, up front, in your face, whatever I need to, to make it click, to make it make sense. Our God, who has been revealed fully in Jesus Christ, does not have to be persuaded to abundantly forgive us. Oh God, I'm so sorry, I messed up. You don't have to persuade God to forgive you. Oh God, I'll never do it again. Never, you liar. You sound like people like me who go on diets. I want you to remember as we walk through this this morning that our God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, is the author of Teshuva. And, and, and see, the key thing here for you to understand is that it's, it, it, it's mm, you're not the one coming up with repentance. Oh, God, forgive me. Oh, God, please forgive me. Forgive me. I've, I've messed up. Lord, 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 please. He's the author. He's the creator of Teshuvah. Which means there's a, there's, there's, a, there's a coming to you. That, that's what that verse 7 is all about. Let the wicked forsake his way and, and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return to the Let him come, let him turn, let him come. Turn. And he will have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. And the very, very next verse says what? For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Do you see how that comes together very quickly as I try to explain it there the best I can? The reality is, he says, abundant pardon. No matter who you are, where you go, don't come groveling. Don't come, no, this is teshuva. I am the author of teshuva. So, so for, for because of all that I've just said, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. <laughs> You're trying to achieve what I've already created. I'll get into this some more. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For, there it is again, because of, as the heavens are higher than earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Friend, let me say something to you right here. Understand something. It doesn't make sense that God would love you, right? I mean, his thoughts, understand, are thoughts of restoration. Thoughts of pardon. Hello? I mean, it can become hard for us to do, you know. But, but the thoughts of love putting his arms around us. Carrying me through life. That's his thoughts. His thoughts are not our thoughts. He always, always meets us with an abundance of pardon. 
His thoughts about us always meet us with, with, with a love that will never go away. It's called unconditional love. And this is to all of us. Because his thoughts are not our thoughts, yet we kind of continue to think they are. It's like, you know, God does cool things, and it's all for my good, right? I mean, his ways are not my ways, and he's talking about us. I love what David said in Psalm 8. He says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth, who have set your glory above the heavens. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? I look over all this earth, David is saying. I, 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 I take a look at this creation that he has from, from the sea and the things in the seas to the, the foliage and the birds and the animals and the beasts all over. And, 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 and I look at myself and think, oh, that's so insignificant. Just a, a little speck, if you will, of dirt in comparison to the hugeness of, of all that you have. And, and, and you are mindful of me? This is not an us thing, okay? Don't, don't get this. This me, you are mindful of me. Look, look at this, this same, same scripture in the, uh, Amer uh, the, the New American Standard Version. It, it, says, it says, what is man that you take thought of him? And the son of man that you care for him. Thought of man. Thought of him. Care for him. How about the Message Bible? <laughs> I love it there. Then I look at my micro self and wonder. Why do you bother with us? Why, why take a second look our way? Can I say this to you this morning? He thinks about you. And he thinks love. Because he plans to do that. Can somebody say amen? Th that word mindful, okay? It means pay attention. You think on. Meditate. This is not something that's casual. This is not something that, you know, he might glance our way or something like this. No, 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 no. That you are mindful of him. It's not casual. It means to pay attention. He's, 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 he's thinking and meditating on you. He's paying attention to your life. The word care means to observe, to pay attention. It means actively entering into a relationship of favor and love and action. Favor, love, action. This, I'm going to say something, get me in trouble. It's about time to get in trouble, right? But this is the opposite of what the gods of religion do. Yes. How many know God does interfere in our lives, right? But never to give us pain. Never to cause hurt. 
you got to remember, he has every hair of your head numbered. Turn to your neighbor and don't say a word. Can, can I take a, a scripture from a version? I don't know if you've ever heard of this version. I, I find it a very interesting version. It, it's called the Passion Translation. Listen to what it says in Psalm 139. It says, you saw who you created me to be before I became me. Before I'd ever seen the light of day, the number of days you planned for me were already recorded in your book. Every single moment you are thinking of me, how precious and wonderful to consider that you cherish me constantly in your every thought. Oh God, your desires toward me are more than the grains of the sand on every shore. When I awake each morning, you're still with me. Wow. Every detail of our life interests him, even to the cleaning of the house. I've gotten into sweeping lately. No, don't do that. Don't do don't do that. But I'm enjoying it. Isn't that weird? I won't tell you why. I'll let you just think, wow, God's really doing a work in your life. But, but I'm, I'm enjoying it, and I'm spending time while I'm doing it as realizing I'm worshiping him by sweeping the floor. And all the ladies are going, but I hope he hears that. I hope he hears that. No, no I'm, just, I'm just sharing a, a little nugget here. But, but what I'm, I'm saying is, again, every detail of our lives, no matter what you do, whether you're washing dishes, whether you're mowing the yard, it doesn't matter. Every, how, how many times would Jesus say to people, right? He'd say this, 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 these two words, what things? He'd ask them the question, what things? Now, does, does our God know? No, no. He, he'd look at the woman and say, why are you crying? You know what he's doing? He's saying, tell me. I want to know that. Remember the road to Emmaus? These guys look beaten up. I mean, they're, they're so sad. I mean, and what does he do? He comes up to them and says, tell me about it. What's gone wrong? I want to hear it from you. Hmm. How, about, how about Jeremiah 29? That. I know the thoughts I have for you, thoughts to prosper you, not harm you, to give you a future and the hope, right? And then I put, what I did is I put the, the, the amplified translation in here for you because I get excited about this one. I mean, it, it simply says, for I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Thoughts and plans for welfare and peace and not for evil, to give you hope in your final outcome. Oh, man, that's a good one. 
Look, 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 look. Plans and thoughts. Plans and thoughts. His ways, his thoughts are loving kindness. Look, if you were to say something harsh to me, there would arise in me a river of thoughts. If you said, ew, I don't like this food after I've spent hours cooking it, there would rise within me <laughs> a river of, of, of what I call thoughts. Do you know what that is when, when those thoughts come up and you begin, hmm, hmm, hmm. You know, something's happening here because of something called external pressure. And, and because of the external pressure, it's causing me to think a certain way. To act in a certain way. Which, if you came to me and said, I don't like that, I'd just say, add more bacon or butter. Yes, and, and all the true Christians said, mm-hmm, God bless you. But, but here's the thing. We are affected by external pressure. Not good. Not, not good. Listen, listen, listen. This is what I want you to understand. There is no external pressure that is behind what God thinks. There is with us, but not with him. What God does is God thinks, and he changes the external. There's no external pressure that, that is behind what God thinks, but when God does think, he changes the external. His thoughts. He thinks about us out of the self-imposed obligation. He doesn't have to think anything about us. It's all self-imposed. He, he takes it on himself. And the reason behind it is to give himself to us, to have relationship, to overcome all that would separate us. He shows himself to the wicked and the unrighteous, and he says, turn, turn, Teshuva, Teshuva. Why would I turn? My, my thinking has been stinking. Okay? And God says, the way you think is not how I think. My thoughts are not your thoughts. And that gives you a reason to turn. And he says, I will absolutely pardon you. All his thoughts are movements, power in love that moves inside our darkness, our, 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 our demented thoughts. Because this is the gift of God. Teshuva. Say it with me again. Teshuva. My thoughts. His thoughts. Look, if I'm going to take the logic of my thoughts, truthfully, I would never turn to him. Uh-uh. So God has to give me the gift of teshuva, the gift of turning. You know, it, it, 
it's possible to be sorry for sin. People can feel sorry for some people. But at the same time, and, and hear me, you can be sorry for sin and at the very same self moment shy away from being accepted. Hmm. Just be like that and say, well, I, I believe in Jesus. I, I believe in God. You can be sorry for sin, but shy away. Look, I can say I'm a sinner, but never think of being in the embrace of the Father. In, in, in the sickness of our sin, we believe that rejection is a safe zone. Oh, man. I mean, it, I, I, I feel at home there, right? Because it fits how I think about myself. I think I should be rejected. Hello. I'm convinced I, 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 I should be. I, 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 be re I should be rejected. Those are my thoughts. Those are my ways. It takes a gift of God to dare to believe that I can respond to him whose ways are not my ways and whose thoughts are not my thoughts. So when we've messed it all up, we stand before God, but we're still slow to turn. A lot of people today, we accept rejection. It's easy, right? We're at home in rejection. I can talk rejection. I, I can see myself rejected. I can, I can feel sorry for myself, but that's easy. I'm slow to turn. It's awkward. It's embarrassing. At the idea of being accepted with a full, abundant pardon. I mean, when my thoughts are saying punishment is right. Punishment is fitting for me. You know, I should, I should, be, I should be hung upside down and all this other stuff, right? But, but, but love? Acceptance, abundance, in other words, plenty too much pardon. I, I don't know what to do with that. I mean, what do you do with that? It's awkward, and I'm, 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 I'm terrified by it. We are so at home in being rejected, but we're masters of putting on a face that everything's okay and wonderful. <laughs> when, I mean, who, who ever really expected him to call us to turn? Teshuva is not a word that fits me. He should call us to, you know, beat ourselves, to, to curse who are you? Cursed thing. You know, just 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 loathe ourselves. Get on our bellies and grovel. I mean, lay flat in the mud, right? You pig, you. But he doesn't. He throws his arms around us and he gives us a pardon. I, 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 I can't 
can't face him in that. I'm sorry, I just can't. You know, have you ever thought about this? That when that younger brother came home, he came home very boldly. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. Let's grovel. Oh, I've sinned. But when the father said, you are my son. Oh, I don't know what to do with that. Father, I have sinned. You are my son. You're my son. And deal with that. His thoughts are contradicting my thoughts. I said, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And I feel goods about that. That's what I deserve after all I've done. I'm no good. Cuts right across it. What he does is he interrupts me. And he says, you are my son. I said, yeah, I, I don't know what to do with it. I mean, think this. Would you please just, just let it get deep. We don't know what to do with lust. Honestly. We'll say it all the time. But the word love to us means absolutely diddly. You know, you, you look at that, that, that spouse and you say, well, I love you. And then you look at that roast beef dinner she made for you and you'll say, I love this. And then we'll turn to God and say, I love you. Honestly, we don't know what to do with God's love to us. <laughs> to begin with, you're not at home in that home. You feel awkward because it doesn't fit, especially the way that you've been thinking about yourself. Look, look at Psalm, Psalm 3. In verse 3, I know it says 1 on the screen. I apologize, my, my software doesn't usually do weird things. But this is verse 3. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory, and the one who lifts my head. You are my glory and the lifter of my head. You are my, and the lifter of my, I mean, listen to those words. What does it mean when he says, you're the lifter of my head? Understand the, the, the little bad background here. David had royally messed up. He had done nothing but raise a dysfunctional family with his kids. And then the Bathsheba thing, that, that had just happened about three or four years before this. And so when Absalom sees the opportunity to take the throne and the kingdom... David knows what's going on. And then he catches this. It's a glimpse of the unspeakable, the, the unthinkable, the, the, the pardon, the mercy, the grace, the love, the goodness of God. He says in the beginning of that psalm, he says, many perish. 
say of me, there is no hope. There's no help for me in God. And then he'll say, but, but thou, O Lord, art a shield to me. You are. You care enough about me to shield me. You are my glory. I don't have any glory. I messed up. My face is in the mud. But you are my glory and the lifter of my head. What does that mean? It means that coming to this place, this position that I'm in, and the position, I should say, that he is in in his life, David can't look God in the eye. He's ashamed. I can't. I can't look at you. God, I've been blowing it for years. I just, there's, there's you know what I mean. When, when the kid's guilty and you're looking at them, I can't look up at you. And David said what he does is he puts his hands under my chin and he lifts me to look him in the eye. David says, you are the lifter of my head. Every time, if you, again, look at the scriptures, find someone falling to the ground before Christ. Even John, in Revelations, where John says, I fell before him, he's dead. God's not in the groveling, friend. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, God's not in the groveling. I didn't say growling, I said groveling. What he does is he, as soon as it, he lifts them up, he lifts you up. He's the lifter of my head. Listen, what he's saying to you as he lifts your head, look at me. Let love flow into you, surround you. His thoughts. How do I understand this? How do I get it? Uh, especially when so many, I mean, <laughs> okay, time to get in trouble. Number two, when you talk about the things of God, in a lot of ways, I listen to people, and, and of course, none of you, the ones I'm talking about are not here today, but when when I listen to them talk about the things of God, you, you might as well be speaking of a religious museum that is totally irrelevant today. They're just old artifacts. But remember, this is what God does. He makes himself approachable, touchable, near to you at a level you can sense. Grab that. Because he becomes one of us. So that I meet, when I meet him, I meet a 100% man who at the very same moment is 100% God. In that man, I meet with God. God has come to me. That's what the end of Isaiah 55 is all about. It talks about the heavens that are high above the earth. 
That's where his thoughts and his ways are. And then he says, from the high above, that from high above the earth, there comes down to the earth rain and snow. We'll look at it in a second. And he comes and he covers the earth, right? But then he says it returns. You know how moisture goes back up. But as it returns, it leaves behind all the fruit that it's coming down to achieve. All the, all the, it, it, the snow and the rain comes down. Sun comes out and then it ascends. Getting the picture yet? Then he said, he said, he said, my word. He said, my word. I, I look at the verse 11. It says, so, so will my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It will not, re this is still going to be life, right? In that middle of, of what we just read. It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Wow. My word. I send my word. What word? The word that comes out of his thoughts that we cannot comprehend. The word that is there inside of God and yet separate from God. God the Son is absolutely one with God the Father. And the Father in the Son, the Son to the Father, everything the Father thinks about, about you is in the Son. And everything the Son thinks about you is in the Father. <laughs> the Father sends the Son. And in the face of Jesus, I am met with the fullness of God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The thoughts of God. The ways of God. Beyond my intellectual figuring out. He says, my word which proceeds out of my mouth shall not return void, shall not return empty, but it shall accomplish that whereunto I send it. And what was that? That's all the thoughts of God. God became human and thought the thoughts of God. And that human has joined to me, been joined to me by the Spirit. <clears throat> Time to get in trouble, number three. But do you realize that so many are stuck in the Old Testament? How do I know that? Because they're still asking the same questions the Old Testament had, which have no answers. Which, and, and this is one of them. They didn't know what to do with this. So, so, so they think everything that goes wrong in life, well, it's the thoughts and the ways of God. No! Tr tr try this verse in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 here. It says, but just as it is written, oh, this is nice. things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard and which have not entered, in, entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. 
Religion says, there you go. I should say religious bondage says, there you go. I mean, we just don't know him. I mean, that's, that's the bottom line. We don't know, and, and we haven't seen him. And you can't imagine him until you, 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 we get to heaven when you die. Turn to your neighbor and sing to them, soon and very soon, we are going to meet. Okay, no, don't do that. And the reason we state what we state with those things is because we've not really read the New Testament. I haven't said that you haven't read the words in the New Testament. But understand that it's New Testament because it's new. Say that word with me. New. I asked you to hold on to it. The New Testament is not the Old Testament. The Old Testament is full of questions, full of signposts, full of pointings, if you will, because you're not there yet. That's the Old Testament. You don't know where you're going yet. The New Testament says you've arrived. Everything in the Old Testament has been fulfilled. The word has come. And, 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 and look, look. <coughs> it's interesting. It's an interesting title. Uh, you know, I'm sorry. When, when, I come, when I come to Jesus, it's an interesting title. The word. He is saying everything the Father is, everything the Father thinks, everything the Father intends is in me. I am one word that encompasses everything that God is. Remember, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You've seen God. You've touched his thoughts. You've tasted his words. He's, he's not just up there in the clouds now, right? He, he, he now partakes fully in our humanity. It's, it's, it's like the, the, the winter season that, that we're in. You know, you look out there and everything looks just dead as a doornail, right? Everything's bare, everything's dry. Well, it's not dry, but it's just, it's cloudy, it's barren, it's depressing, it's, it's a wonder, it's a, all the right reasons to move to Florida, right? Yeah, I think it does. But then the rain comes, and something begins to change. There's a yellow, little yellow thing in the sky called the sun that pops out. And before you know it, you start seeing little bugs begin to push up. It's called springtime. <coughs> Take a look at I, I, Isaiah uh, 55 here. And um, hmm. I, I do believe that's verse 10, not 9, but yeah. I, I'm sorry, like I said, the software, I don't know what it's doing. But anyways, it says, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there without watering the earth. For as, for as the, there's that for again. Because as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there without watering the earth and making it bare and sprout and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater. 
I'm skipping. I'm skipping, Wendy. I'm warning you right now. So, so look at verse 11. It says, going, go, going right on to 11 there. It says, so will my word be which goes forth from my mouth. Getting it in perspective now? It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. This is huge. Huge. My word shall not return empty. Jesus did not return empty. Can someone say amen? And what he left behind. Wow. You know, when the rains come, what they leave behind is this tall grass I got to now mow. There are things that because he came, did not return empty. Something happened. That word, him. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm moving on. That, that one word now comes to us through the Holy Spirit. And what that word does is it penetrates my darkness. My eyes have seen. My ears have heard. My imagination has been set on fire because I have seen what he has prepared for those who love him. Paul says that, <coughs> excuse me, Isaiah said this. Isaac has not seen, ears have not heard. <coughs> it is, hmm. He says, this is what Isaiah said, but then he, then, please, finish the sentence. This is why I say, see what comes after. Read the whole thing. In the New Testament, there is more than what is in the Old. The Old Testament stops right there. With Isaiah, it stops right there. They don't know. They, they, they can't imagine. I have not seen my, 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 my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways, says Paul. But in the New Testament, it says, I want to make sure I get the right one here. Where do we go? Where do we go? Where do we go? Okay. I'm, I'm looking at 1 at, 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 uh, Corinthians in chapter 2, yeah, uh, verse, can you guys do it again? Verse, no, uh, let, let, me, let me refute, let me go back, let me say, but, you know, things which I have not seen. But then it goes right on in verse 10 and says this, for to us, God revealed them through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. He's saying God has revealed it to us through his spirit, even the depths of God. That's the New Testament, people, because it's new. The thoughts of God for us became flesh. And when I look at Jesus, they are the thoughts I cannot think. And now, I'm placing the thoughts of God, he says, in you by the Holy Spirit, walking in that spirit. Okay, I'm, go I'm going to be giving you a lot of scripture here. Okay, get, get ready, get ready. Ephesians 3 may, may be able to... Oh. May be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. And to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Wow. 
Can we take a look at it in the Amplified? It's a little more squished because there's a lot more words to it. That you may have the power and be strong to apprehend and grasp with all the saints, God's devoted people, the experience of that love. What is the breadth and length and height and depth of it? That you may really come to know practically through experience for yourselves the love of Christ which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience, that you may be filled through all your being unto the fullness of God, may have the richest measure of the divine presence and become a body who, who body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. That's New Testament. Now, Isaiah 55. Verse 11, so will my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which it, I sent it. Verse 12, for you will go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills will break forth into shouts of joy before you and all the trees of the field will clap their hands Instead of thorn bush, the cypress will come up, and instead of the nettle, the uh, and instead of the the nettle, the myrtle will come up, and it will be a memorial to the Lord for an everlasting sign, which will not be cut off. Hello, friend, that's life in the spirits. Now, not some future. Now, look. I'm going to say this to you, and if I upset you, maybe you're supposed to be upset. It's called an external pressure. But friend, what I have learned is that if we don't rely on the Holy Spirit as our teacher, we'll never get this. It will remain thoughts that are not your thoughts. You know, I, I took a look at something. We talked about the, the word educate. It's not going to be on your screen. So if you want to write it down, fine. But otherwise, <sighs> talked about educating. It's this. Educating is putting something into somebody. Educate literally means to lead you out. That which is in you. See the word educate? Education means to take hold of what is in you and bring it out. It has nothing to do with, with, with putting stuff into you. It, 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 it's bringing out what is already there. That's why I say the Holy Spirit is my educator, my guide who leads me into all truth. But he doesn't work with my intellect. Do you realize he only works by revelation with my spirit, my heart? Because I don't have a list of things I know about. I've come to a place of knowing 
personally experienced not about no I don't know about something I know there's a big difference because it's the Holy Spirit who opens the eyes of our understanding for this reason I too having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus which exists among you and your love for all the saints do not cease to giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge. Wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. And when that revelation comes, it doesn't no, it goes away. Oh, wow. And it changes things from within. Would you stand with me? Again, I apologize for the length of time. We should use wisdom from God and order our chicken sandwiches a little bit later. Listen, let me finish this. It scares me to death. There's so many believers in America. Sorry. So they remain from where they're at, doing all they've been doing, going their own way, yet at the same time being silent. We don't know. That's the whole understanding behind the show. That Menorah repentance. Do you realize that that is, 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 is associated with extreme joy? I mean, they're dancing all over the place. But when, when somebody comes to Christ, I, I always like that. I, I, I mean, I like them, but I, I want to use a different set of words here. But when somebody comes to a relationship with him, there's joy. Religion makes you feel sorry. Oh, yes, it does. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, I messed up so bad. And, and I do understand the tears. I do understand the emotion. Don't get me wrong, but what I'm trying to tell you is, is there is a joy, my friend. There's a, oh, I feel so bad for them. God, oh, please let them see. Let them be proud. I understand where we're coming from, but I want you to understand that when it comes to the shuva, when it comes to metanoia, when it comes to repentance, it is always associated with extreme joy. Look what the Lord has done. Boom, boom, boom. Listen. Can I take it to an extreme? How about this? The Holy Spirit is to be your teacher, not the Bible. 
Really? Trouble number what is that? Five, six, seven? Look. The Holy Spirit uses the Bible to teach us. But the Bible is not the teacher. The Holy Spirit is the teacher. And he will bring revelation to the teacher. Okay, I need to quit. I'm sorry. We need the Holy Spirit more and more and more. Friend, we live we live in the new. We live in the new. Lord, thank you for this morning and for your word. Thank you for challenging us to be stubborn. We want to disagree with half the stuff you say. If our thoughts are our thoughts and our ways are our ways, we really have never gotten into your, oh, man, I'm sorry, Lord. I want to continue to go here because I, I Spirit, to work what only you can work, to reveal what only you can reveal, to illuminate and show, to fill them with wisdom and revelation of you. Holy Spirit, I'm speaking and I'm praying of believers in this house today who have been on the fence way too long. There's no turning. There's no following after. There's no coming closer. There's no learning of. It's just, I feel sorry. I believe that Jesus is the Savior, but I continue in my rejection, living what I live, doing what I do, mindful of me. We're awkward and slow. Lord, let this be a day of turning, a day of Teshuva, a day of Metneu, that this day is a day of rejoicing in the Lord our God and Savior. This morning, if you're here in this place while others are still with their head bowed and you have no known relationship with him, this morning, understand that metanoia is associated with action. There's a turning. And so if you're in this place, and in all honesty, you're, you're making a choice that I will turn towards him. In this place this morning, there is a rejoicing going on like you have never known. If you want to know what it means to have joy, real joy, peace. This morning in this place, all it takes is to begin to turn toward God. Will it happen that, that, that all of a sudden all your problems are gone? Oh, you've been listening to the wrong television station. The difference is in the person who's in the situation. This morning, if you're here and you're saying, I don't want to be one with no known relationship, I want to know a relationship with him. 
I'm asking you to put an action to that choice, to, to that turning, if you will, and simply just sticking your hand up right where you're at. I want to pray for you this morning, right where I stand. If that's you, would you just, just slip your hand up right where you're at? I want to I want to pray with you this morning. It's going to take an action, really. It's going to take an awkwardness. It's going to take something that's embarrassing. He's the lifter of your head this morning. He said, I want to talk with you. I want to love on you. This morning in this place. Hallelujah. So right now I'm going to speak to believers. Believer, if you're in this place this morning, let's not play games anymore. Let's be real about what God's saying to us. We are in a day and an age where the external pressure is over the head. And we react to it. We respond to it. And we end up doing the same old crazy things and going the same old crazy ways, saying, well, you know, his thoughts are, are, are not my thoughts and his ways, uh, you know, are not my Can you get over and realize that his love is towards you? And this morning in this place, he is looking for you to teshuva to him. To turn to him, to know revelation. When was the last time you had a revelation of God? Not that the pastor gave you, but that the Holy Spirit gave you. When was the last time you knew you were moving in the direction God was moving you in? But you haven't turned. You, you, you haven't moved towards him. You stayed in that same dry and barren land. And friend, I'm sorry. God is not some mystical thing up in the sky someplace. No. He joins himself to us. And in that joining, we turn. And it's not knowing about him then, it's knowing him. But that comes down to the choice of what do we allow him to in that. It's still choice that the Holy Spirit is convicting us of this morning. So what are you going to do with it? How are you going to handle that? What do you do with it? You turn. You turn. Lord, again, I thank you. I bless you. I praise you. You said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all. Holy Spirit, in this place this morning, let us not walk out of here in the mindset we walked in here with. But this morning, I ask, do that work. Glory to his name, glory to his name.
sing that. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood. And as we sing it this morning, I want to invite you to not just rush out of here. I know you've got things to do. I've been sitting here forever. Friend, you know what? If that's, if that's the extent of God moving on our hearts, then I understand. But if God is dealing with your heart right now, let Him finish it. Don't pull it out of the oven. It's only half-baked. Let him finish what he's making within you. Well, can't he do that out there? Sure he could. Absolutely could. But if you won't let him do it in here, what makes you think he's going to do it out there? All I'm asking is that you follow the leading of what he's calling you to. Whether you just want to do it in the pew, whether you want to find a place up in these altars, wherever it might be, let's let God finish as we turn to Him. In Jesus' name. I was a wretch. I remember who I was. Thank you, Lord. I was lost. You want to find that place of prayer? We invite you to do so. I was running wild. There's others. I'll team you to make your way up. Let's just find the that place. The breeze was far too wild. From the far side of you held so you made a way across the great divide, left behind heaven's door to build it here inside, and there at the cross you paid. Broke my chain. 